RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. My name is Jamie Bain and today I interview Paul Bunce, head of fitness at Connacht Rugby in Ireland. Uh, Connacht uh, last season won the Pro 12, which is a great achievement, especially when uh, speaking to Paul before the interview, uh, he mentioned that out of the 38 professional teams in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, Connacht are actually the least resourced. So, um, you know, financially and in terms of facilities and things like that, uh, so it really is a great achievement and testament to all the players and staff there. Uh, and Paul gives us a really good insight into, you know, what's going on there. Uh, also gives some really good, of you know, just general training advice. And uh, there's also some advice for anyone who wants to get into working in, in S&C and rugby. So uh, it's a really great podcast. Uh, give it a listen and let us know what you think. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the Rugby Running Aid podcast. Thanks for taking the time out to, <clears throat> to sit and talk with us. Um, I think... Uh, it'd be a good start just to sort of let the listeners know a little bit about your background, how you got into strength and conditioning and some of the clubs you work with. Yeah, hi Jamie, thanks very much. Uh, pleasure, mate, to help uh, share my ideas and push things along with your podcast. So, um, all good to be on. Um, I guess uh, I've been around for a little while now, I've probably been involved in um, leading professional sports across many sports, but predominantly rugby well, probably up to 15 years now. I'm currently the, the head of fitness at Connacht Rugby, uh, but I've been fortunate enough to work with a, um, a few good rugby teams uh, here in the UK over the last 12 years, that including the Dragons, the WRU, Bath, Scotland Rugby Union with their Sevens programme. Uh, but before those days, I, I was with the uh, Wellington Hurricanes as, when I started my trade in the Super 10, which was a while ago. It was nice to see them win uh, in the weekend after a lot of trying. Um, but I've also had quite a, a mixed background of sports with um, hockey, uh, netball, badminton, squash. My Welsh Institute of Sport and my New Zealand High Performance Days uh, gave me a good basis of, of different sports to work from as well. So, um, so I guess I've experienced a, a lot of different sports, a lot of different cultures, environments and, and all sorts of uh, levels of performance as well over those 15 years. Yeah, cool. And obviously uh, you mentioned Connacht and you... You had a massively successful year last year, winning the Pro 12. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, one, you, let's talk a bit about that. What are some of the uh, secrets to success, so to speak, behind that? You've been there two years now, is that right? This is my. I've been here two. Hit. I've been here for two years. This is my third season. Yeah. Um, and I guess the, the the short answer to your question is there are no secrets. Um, a lot of hard work. A lot of focus. Uh, a lot of people doing the right things in the right way for a long period of time and I think that always builds success. So success hopefully for the club here isn't just an overnight um, thing, it's gonna, uh, we're going to build and, and hopefully move on from here. So yeah, as I said, there are, there are no secrets to uh, what I do and I think that applies a lot to rugby S&C as well and uh, what we do, they do it. and uh, I think 95% of that applies. Um, to most of the teams I work with, that the keystones or the big rocks apply massively, and if we get those right, then um, success will build, or, or you, know, you will start performing better. Um, for me, though, I think I, I came in here and I had um, a philosophy that, that I laid down, and we're now into the third year of that. 
And that philosophy for me was we had to really improve physically first before we, we could become competitive on the field. And there was quite a bit of strength and size uh, to attain. There's a bit of low-hanging fruit from that perspective. And part of that was ensuring our, our final year or transition academy players became more involved. And we had their training um, you know, pushed along uh, along those areas as well. Um, I think part of that uh, focus uh, for me in the last two years is I've wanted to get a, a staff here that have been really motivated and very driven. And obviously, um, that's crucial to any plan. And then to create a bit of a challenging environment where we're asking players to, uh, to improve physically as part of that. Um, if I get back to my philosophy there, I think... Uh, backing your head coach and the style of play that they want to put in place and making sure your s program is driven from a performance perspective uh, based on predominantly what they want to do. And Pat Lamb here is a very good head coach who outlined clearly to me when I arrived what he thought needed to be done physically in, in order to achieve success. So I pushed along those, those uh, lines as well. Um, I probably don't Stray too far from um, the old maximum strength is very, very important for us. Um, but I think one thing I try and do, uh, and which I think aids our success here, is I try and be as performance oriented as possible. Our goals will always determine our methods. And as soon as we start using methods and moving away from that, that focus, we start doing things that don't apply heavily to performance. And therefore, I think we compromise success or potentially compromise it. Um, so, you know, your S&C program needs to support rugby. It also needs to fulfil the physical goals of the players and make sure that they're getting the right physical outcomes. But uh, when, it, when it boils down to things, mate, I think hard work, uh, really focused and driven philosophy and, and a, a management team that works very closely, I think they'll always be um, your recipe for success. Yeah, definitely. It seems to be the, the sort of successful teams, the ones that... Uh, you know, coaching, S and C, and medical all, all seem to be on on the same page, and everything's you know directed at, at that that goal outcome, like you say. Um, and, and on that note, um, how do you sort of integrate medical and S and C uh, at Connaught? It's kind of more a, a buzzword of sort of multidisciplinary team. How how sort of well does that work? Yeah, look, an overriding philosophy for um, for me and on part of our department focus the last two years is really knowing our player. And we want to ensure we get the best out of them. So we want to improve the individual, individual to improve the game. Ultimately, if we think they need to get bigger or stronger or faster, then we'll, we'll try and do that. And we want to see that have coming on the field. So your integration with other departments, your multidisciplinary uh, approach is, is absolutely essential to do that. We operate at some fine-tuning, moving, grooving, bulletproofing approaches to an injury pr uh, prevention program here. And that support is strong from our medical department with the rehab that we do. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the low-level rehab that the players come and do, whether it be an ankle stability or whether it be core training or whatever it might be. And, I, and, and on top of that, we also uh, integrate heavily with the skills side of the program. And I guess what I was saying before, that we can get big and fast and strong, but if we can't catch and pass, then what, what use is that? So the integrated approach has to be um, part of a high-performance uh, unit, I guess. Um, the integration here with the medical is, is strong, and I've had a lot of learnings in this area over the last probably six, eight, ten years. And I think ultimately we're here for our players, so therefore we make sure that we get them in the best shape. That integration is important. So we run a, an RTP program here, a Return to Perform program. 
with uh, which means basically we've got six stages. So when a player is, is injured, they come in, they have some kind of entry information gathering phase. We, we meet with them, we set targets, and we, we set out uh, uh, landmarks or milestones for that player to achieve over their injury period. And we, we progress them through, uh, you know, early, middle, and late stages, and everyone plays their role within that stage. And I think the role you play is predominantly based along your area of expertise. So from a strength and condition perspective, we were responsible predominantly for getting them fitter and bigger or faster or stronger. And the medical side needs to then support that with the low-level rehab, making sure that functionally they can uh, absorb and, and, and do the things they need to do. Uh, to eventually we get to stage six where we look at key criteria um, or exit criteria we call it. And that could be uh, a certain strength level, it could be a certain power level, could be a certain fitness level. It could be assessing the joint uh, in a plyometric manner, for example, if it's an ankle injury, to assure that the left versus right single hop uh, jumps uh, have good symmetry and that they've been able to do a lot of sport-specific tasks uh, you know, off that ankle, for example, in an ankle um, sprain scenario. But I think one of the really key things, uh, key things for integration for me, Jamie, is that you have to be on the same page, so you have to have very clear objectives and very clear focus with what you want to achieve with that person not just with their injury maybe there's some uh, peripheral aspects such as work on such as mobility but we have to be very clear with the objectives we want to achieve with that person so here we'll meet two or three times a week one being a major meeting the others being uh, additional meetings at the end of a, a, a training day just to make sure that we're achieving those objectives the coaches will be part of that meeting at least once or twice a week as well. And uh, based on top of that, mate, we will try and meet informally pre-weights, end of day, pre-field training, just to make sure that things are running smoothly and we're all doing the right things. So uh, for me, I think that clarity, uh, meeting regularly and having the, the same or understanding or focus of what we do is, is massively important to our medical anesthesi Agree, and I, I guess I'll just put in and reiterate again that roles and responsibilities clearly defined within the medical and SNC departments is also very, very important um, to that process. Yeah, definitely. It sounds that sounds really good. Obviously, everything's organised and, and planned out appropriately, and then, like I say, it's that communication ongoing that, that keeps everything on track. That's as much really as good. possible, mate. We 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 aren't the most heavily resourced team here um, from a staffing perspective. So, you know, it's crucial here that we, are, we would communicate as well as possible and that our systems and our processes and our approaches here are simple but really, really effective. Um, you'd understand, mate, that lifting is a skill and what we want to do is probably hit the basics of lifting as often, as consistently as possible. The RTP program is no different. Are we getting the basics in place and are we running the basics as effectively as possible? Part of those basics for me is that we communicate well and we make sure the player is aware of what they need to do and are in the right place doing the right things. Yeah, and and you touched on there sort of you know targets for different stages of of the rehab process, but also like we talk a lot about you know improving different physical capabilities, but also kind of goal settings are kind of a big issue. How how do you deal with that with your players? Sort of, is it a sort of monthly or weekly thing? You'll sit down with them, or is it sort of by annually or something? Is this uh, with the RTP? Uh, ju just with, um, you know, fit players in general. 
Yeah, look, we will do a lot of baseline assessments um, pre-season and throughout the year. So we'll, we'll run various what I call monthly trackers, and it could be strength, power, body composition, and so forth. Um, we'll also, you know, assess plyometrically. Uh, we'll also uh, assess fitness-wise and so forth. Um, most of that stuff is revisited in one form or another as the year goes on. Uh, now, that can be through just doing a simple three-hour assessment as part of your training program for a, a key lift, um, or it could be ensuring that we have a, a replication in a training drill that the coach does. We, I would look at some key GPS stats, and I'll try and... Uh, drive that program not by saying he didn't run enough but by saying we need to be looking at attaining certain percentages of relative intensity. Um, for me relative intensity is looking at, at our high metabolic load and our total distance parameters and then make an assessment that if they did 1000 meters can we get at least 200 meters plus of that in a high speed running zone or of a high enough, relative, uh, high enough intensity. So I guess we we make sure, or I, I make sure that we're tracking players during the season. Um, as part of that pro process is having a lot of informal chats with players. Uh, as part of my role here of fitness, driving targets for those guys and then having one-on-ones with them where, where necessary and saying this is how you've gone, this is our thoughts on what you need to achieve, what are your thoughts, and they can contribute to that. Um, these, uh, you know, We've just come up to week four to five, I guess, with our, our training block at the moment. We did some three RMs, as you'd expect, Jamie, in the first four to five weeks, we'd get back to some of the season's bests and PBs of players after a five-week block, um, after they've had some time off. So now that it's the time next week while we're in France, I'll do my best to sit down with players and, and to say one-on-one, -on -one, these are what we're thinking about, this is your weight target, this is your body composition target, these are where we see your lower limb strength being a priority and how we're going to go about uh, achieving that. So. I guess um, yeah, I guess that's how we do things here. By the way, um, the rugby is never far away, so our head coach will be aware of those goals, and um, they'll be aware of the t players' targets, and they help drive those um, those um, I guess targets for players as much as we do, because um, the head coach is aware of things. Helps our cause a lot. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, uh, you, you mentioned body composition there, so we'll get into that now because we, we like to give some kind of practical tips for some of our listeners and something that's come up a, a bit recently with some of our members is how to improve body composition without, you know, causing undue fatigue and taking away from the actual rugby training. Um, how would you approach that with a, a player who's, you know, come back in sort of over their skin folds target? Look, I, I went off... Um the concept of fat club and sending players home and getting them in at 7am to do extras uh, a long time ago. So what I found that was, uh, that for me was counterproductive to achieving other goals. For example, if we're going to sort of go on a bike an hour in the morning, an hour at night, because they've come back, uh, the body composition targets all over the place. That, as you know, mate, isn't going to help building leg strength or building size and so forth. So ultimately, uh, what I say to players here is that it's a bit of an old adage, but you can't uh, outrun a bad diet. You need to get your nutrition right. When you get your nutrition right, the body composition, the strength parameters, and everything that we chase will start to fall into place. So the mantra I'm pushing at the moment is um, uh, eat better and become a better player. So eat better, play better. Um, so I guess that takes a lot of time and effort. We have a nutritionist for the last two years here, been here, Marcus Shortall, for two days a week. We're now up that to five days a week for this season. 
And part of that is educating our younger players on what to do, how to eat correctly, first of all. So there's a big emphasis on education. But then how to start thinking about once you know how to get the big rocks from a nutrition perspective, how do we then uh, aid you and become better at a performance-orientated diet? So once players' body composition is in position, uh, is in the right place, we want to get more performance-orientated, and that means are you able to manage your macros or, or you know your basic diet based around high-intensity training, low-intensity training, days off, and game day, and making sure they can manipulate their week to make sure when Saturday comes around that they're, they're feeling great and they've, they've loaded up on carbs or whatever it might be, they've had enough protein during the week to maintain mass, uh, they've done all the, all the things correctly. Um, I'll also set, Jamie, individual targets. I don't massively believe in positional parameters there. Um, I've got them. I know what I'd like them to be. But as you know, mate, some people are, are easy gainers, uh, easy losers, aren't they? They, they, they can lose body, uh, body fat quickly. Others gain it very, very quickly as well. So they just have to look at a, at a baguette and they put on a kg. So um, I'll, I'll work individual um, targets first and foremost. And then it is about creating an environment where we challenge players to improve that. And I try and challenge players here from a body weight target, body composition target, for the good of the team and for the good of performance. And if we aren't hitting those targets and we're letting uh, ourselves down because we're 20 mils over a, a decent target, um, then for we may be compromising performance because we, we can't work as hard on the field as we probably could do if we were 20 mils of body fat less. So uh, performance orientated is once again is a big focus for me there. Um, I also think, Jamie, that for me, players' body composition reflects a mindset and the mindset of um, where a player, sorry, where a player is body composition, uh, I think reflects that, um, I think that where they are as a player and what they need to do. So if they get, it, if they get their nutrition right, I think they're in a really good place mentally as well. Yeah, definitely. Paul, tell us a bit, um, you said you're off to France next week. Tell us a bit about your, your plans for the training camp and then sort of how your, your training is going to change now as you go in towards the sort of pre-season friendlies. I, I guess, um, Jamie, it won't change a whole lot, bar, barring um, the fact that we'll become more rugby orientated. So this will be a, a rugby camp, predominantly, not an SNC camp. In, in France, notorious, I guess, uh, not necessarily having the best SNC facilities for us to use and so forth. So it becomes a, a, a rugby-orientated camp first and foremost. So we travel on Monday evening and we have a game on Thursday. So there's not a lot of room for lifting and doing a lot of, lot of training volume and, and so forth. So I guess this week it's all about making sure players are prepared for their first pre-season game. I like to use pre-season games to get fitness. I don't like to go onto them fatigued. So we need to make sure players are relatively fresh going into it and have a decent clue what they need to do. Um, so we'll still aim to lift in the next three to four weeks of pre-season as well, Jamie. We'll still be aiming and chasing strength goals and size goals uh, and power goals. There'll still be the, uh, the emphasis on individuals and what they need to achieve right from day one in this environment our preseason has had skills and rugby skills and positional skills as a main focus so day one players were learning line outs and scrums and they're learning new, new plays and so forth and once again for me that's the snc environment supporting the rugby environment and vice versa um, the weekly schedule from the weeks going on now will reflect more of a rugby field and so we will move into that classic seven day turnaround 
training focus that you'll have in season. But we'll still aim to lift two, three, up to six times, depending on the player's focus and depending on their rugby time and selection as the season goes on. Um, I, I guess, mate, going from pre-season to end-season, what our periodised plan and what our fixture list and all that kind of tactical periodisation, how that fits into our training weeks will then determine where we have high levels of focus on S&C or low levels of focus on S&C. So I guess the old adage of volume and intensity does change, but for me, um, you know, we, we want to make sure that individually players are achieving key physical outcomes, but at the same time, when they're needed to play rugby, that's their emphasis. Yeah, definitely. Sounds good. Um, this is a question we ask all our um, guests on the podcast. Um, what's the biggest mistake that rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning, in your opinion? Um, oh, probably, uh, probably a lot. But, but um, I think if I nailed it down to four things off the top of my head, I think something I experienced is here 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 is to uh, just to underestimate um, the value of not lifting maximally too often. So strength, as we know, it's a process and it's a grow, it's a um, it's a growth thing. So having a four to six sub-maximal um, loading phase through to then maybe reassessing max strength parameters is a positive thing. Um, taking your time, don't lift, don't go to failure, and don't go to you know um, maximally too often. Maybe maximally we lift around ten to fifteen percent of our season has ninety percent plus. Uh, or 85% plus lifting opportunities within the season. The value of lifting sub-maximally will make you better long-term. So don't lift maximally too often. Um, but at the same time, lifting is a skill, so become really good at lifting just as you would become really good at your passing, and your catching and your tackling on the field. If we can encourage players to become better skillfully at being able to squat, and working on the mobility and, and aspects that help them squat better, that would be good. We try and set up a, a little personal training business here or, or a, uh, a little pit crew uh, scenario here where each platform, those players are responsible for spotting, giving technical and coaching feedback um, to each player on, on, um, on the platform when they're lifting. So become good at uh, a skill at lifting, but at the same time don't neglect your rugby side of life. Uh, at the same time, in the, in the Northern Hemisphere is a big one for this. Don't become too obsessed with strength and size. I've seen plenty of players who aren't massively strong or aren't massively big be very, very good rugby players and go right to the top level. So strength is a means to an end and make sure that um, you, know, you use it in the right way. And I guess coming back to a topic we were talking about before, nutrition. Nutri don't think that uh, nutrition doesn't matter. It is absolutely crucial to achieving a lot of the goals you, you want to achieve from an SNC and a rugby perspective. So become really good at your nutrition as well. That's, that's great. Some really good points. And I, I agree with you about the submaximal lifting. I think people are always kind of chasing numbers, but it's the if, if you stick those submaximal periods, you can get gains, but it also means you can lift consistently, whereas sometimes you get, you know, there's more chance of injury or more chance of burnout if you're lifting maximally all the time. So that's a really good point. I'm not sure why the industry still wants to focus on uh, having baseline parameters as two times body weight before you can do plyos, for example. Yeah. I have some guys here, and you probably do, or you definitely do it at Gloucester, as fast as the wind, and uh, but may not be able to squat those amounts. But yeah. I tell you what, their plyometric ability or their ballistic ability uh, is very, very good. 
and uh, you know that's an area of training that you want to try and uh, focus on. So, you know, don't uh, don't just don't don't neglect the key things. Don't think that because you aren't too body weight doesn't mean you can't be a good rugby player. I've seen plenty around that that uh, some some boys don't even squat these days, but they're still very good at what they do. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also, Paul, we've, a few of our members and listeners are kind of budding S&C coaches and, and looking to get a, a career in sport or rugby um, specifically. What would be some advice you could offer to them? Yeah, look, um, it's good to hear that. Uh, look, for me, experience is crucial. If someone's going to come in here and ask me if they can hang out with us for a year on an internship or a work, pla- uh, work placement, I, I want to want to know what experience I've had prior to this. And if it's just theoretical, then that's cool as well. But they have to be willing to know that um, I'm not after someone that's got squeaky clean hands. So they have to be willing to get on the on the gym floor and get their hands dirty. Um, experience is crucial as well. So people that approach me like that, um, I will also say, well, you need to have three to five years working in a gym and with others, volunteering with a club, uh, and just getting out there and getting experience on your belt on, on how to deal with players, how to form relationships with, with clients, um, and, and how to develop that sort of rapport and that side to what they do um, before wanting to come in and thinking they can get involved in an elite or professional environment. Uh, from this perspective, because players are very, very wise now. They're well-educated themselves. So if, if they think that, uh, you know, you aren't up to scratch, they'll probably let you know, I guess. Um, I think you need to also understand that your role is to get the player better. Your role isn't to fulfill uh, some, self prof- uh, some self-ego uh, side of life where you think, I'm just going to get this guy really big and strong because I can. So make sure that uh, you understand what your role is. is um, Another good one, and I guess an, another area for me, probably the final one, Jamie, is that don't try and be a sports scientist if you're not a sports scientist, but be an SNC coach if you want to be an SNC coach. And uh, it's great to know a little bit about nutrition. It's good to know about sleep. It's good to know about all the recovery modalities in, in the world that you might come across and functional movement screening and early stage rehab. It's good to have an, a good awareness and build your um, your understanding of those areas as you develop your career. But if you are an SNC coach, first and foremost, that's your bread and butter and become a really shit hot SNC coach. And everything will come from that. Uh, I would like uh, people that come here, that work for me here, or come in intern to be first and foremost, they know how to coach and teach on the gym floor. If they can't, then that's the area they have to improve. So. Yeah, I hope that makes makes sense. Uh, I've seen far too many people come in that are extremely good theoretically, but don't know diddly squat on the gym floor. So yeah, definitely. I think I think a lot of people do their do their sports science degree or their strength and conditioning degree nowadays, and and think that's it, and haven't used that three years in uni to get experience actually coaching and working with teams, um, and and that's kind of the main thing. You know, that's just to kind of. A checkbox to get your degree nowadays you need a lot more because it's so much more competitive isn't it practical application is absolutely key and um, we have to be able to deliver it and deliver it well and you know every day i'm learning something coaching wise or about myself or the players um that i'm coaching here and uh you know i'm still 10 years down the track and and i'm still trying to get better i, I guess you know we all know the why 
so we all know the, the what, sorry, we, we, we all understand that what we need to do is get players strong. We probably understand the why really, really well these days as well, and if we can pass it on to the players, that's crucial. How do we do it, and how can we do it better? For me, form some really crucial, uh, you know, size to become a, a good coach. So, yeah, hopefully there's some lessons in there for everyone. Yeah, definitely, that's some great advice. Um, Paul, just to sort of sort of finish up there, where can people learn more about you? Um, look, I, I guess the best way is to probably go onto my Twitter, Twitter, um, and well, my handle there is at Buncey fifty, so B U N C I E five zero. And I guess um, if they really need to contact me, it's got a couple of email addresses and so forth on there. I'm, I'm open to to talk to people and help them out as much as possible. Um, so I guess that's probably the best way, Jamie. That's great, Paul. And we'll we'll put a link to that in the in the show notes for anyone who wants to tap you up on Twitter. But um, that's that's been excellent. Some really good advice um, and great insights to you know your success at, at Connacht. And wish you all the best for for next year. I'm, I'm sure it'll be uh, another good year because you've really got a good um, sort of set up on and off the pitch from, from what I've been reading and seeing. So uh, congratulations on that and uh, fingers crossed for next season. Uh, thanks, Jamie. I mean, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to share some ideas and, and it's good to touch base with people in the industry. So um, no, I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. So there you go. Another great podcast with another SNC coach with a wealth of experience. Um, so thanks, Paul, for for taking the time to share share that insight into uh, Connacht rugby and and your own philosophy. Um, I'm sure our listeners got a, a huge huge amount out of it. Uh, let us know if you've got any questions that you want to want us to pose to any future guests we have on the podcast, or just to myself and Dan. And of course, keep checking out rugbyrenegade.com. Uh, if you want to get fitter, stronger and faster for rugby, sign up for the online subscription program or just check out some of our ebooks if you want to train at your own pace. Um, we've got the WOD Bible, which is just one-off fitness sessions and a few other sort of ideas on making your own sessions up. And of course, keep checking out for future podcasts. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher or TuneIn um, and give us a, give us a five-star review. Um, thanks. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.